This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, good evening, New York. Um, here we go. So tonight's class is Journey to Greatness, number 13. Tonight's class is, in fact, the last class in this series, Journey to Greatness. Um, we will, Amir Tashem, after Shuas, be starting a new series, which we will take a poll because some people are asking for a series on Tvila, and some people are asking for a series on Pirkei Avos, and some people are asking for other things. So happy to hear everybody's input, and then we'll segue into a new series. I think it's good to have like, you know, 10, 12, 15 things, and then you move on to the next. Like you feel like you accomplished something as opposed to going on for so many times. Um, so this will be the conclusion of this series itself. Now, before we start tonight's class, I do have to do this. I hate doing this, but, and Torah Anytime hates doing this also, but Torah Anytime is doing a fundraiser. I hate the word fundraiser. Sounds like we're like pulling teeth, but the way they're doing this is very cute. I'll tell you what I did, and I hope that this would be something that speaks to you as well. They are offering the 12 million hours of Torah Anytime annually. 12 million hours, by the way. You can't fathom how many years that is. I mean, whatever. We need an accountant. It's literally like from my Sibiracious, how many hours are learned in one year on TorahAnytime.com, which is literally the largest yeshiva in the world without walls um and they're selling each hour for 25 cents that's the husband so what i did was i bought a chavrusashaft two people who are learning straight for the whole year basically for a thousand dollars so it's four thousand hours so each person who's working full-time basically a nine-to-five job would be approximately a guy learning for two thousand hours that would be like a full-time guy in bmg yeah so i hired two of them through torah anytime and that was my my own personal, you know, payment to Torah anytime, a thousand dollars. And besides that car type that I have to them for all the shiurim that they blast out there and they give this for free, I've argued with them many times and told them they need to charge like a monthly subscription or something like that. Like some of these other who shall not be named, um, streaming platforms. And they always said, no, absolutely not. We're doing this, that it's for the masses and everything is free. So that's how, that's their model. But if you benefit from anything that's on tour anytime, which you do, if you're seeing this, you do, um, you don't realize it, but you literally do. I encourage you to take something, something, whatever it is, take something and just show your hakar as a type. Like they always say, they literally got, I don't know the numbers of people, but it's tens of thousands of people. They say if every person would just give like $18 or $36, like we would cover this fundraiser in like an hour. So you don't have to roll out big dollars, but it's encouraged to do that. My own personal plug to this is that I do like photography. It is my hobby. <laughs> and I recently took a really stunning picture, which I don't have here because it's not yet printed, but it's really nice. You have to trust me. It's really, really nice. If you want, you could email me and I'll send you what the picture looks like. And anybody who gives $500 or more on my page on the raised on thing on Torah Times, so if you go to the website and you click on Epstein and you donate on my page $500 or more, you will get an inscribed picture, which will be printed on metal and you can hang it in your house. It'll be inscribed by me and some of the other people from Torah anytime. And um, that's just my own personal plug for this. I have a tremendous amount of Akaras to type to them. Torah anytime came into my life totally by mistake. It was somebody set up a camera while I was giving a share. And the next day, like they said, by the way, you have so many thousands of people who watch your share. Like I was like, oh, that's very cool. Like I didn't apply to them. I didn't knock down their door. It just happened to fall into my lap. And that one thing was one of the few things that actually literally, I think, changed the trajectory of my life. So I'm just passing on Hakar type that I have. And I would encourage you really strongly if you're able to 
um, dedicate anything. It's, it's a worthwhile partnership. Okay. With that being said, throwing myself into this last journey to greatness share. So we've covered so many ideas through the Sefer Chayvis HaTalmidim, which a lot of these ideas were very deep. And when you read them, and, and I was going through the Sefer again, like we can't even begin to fathom the depth of some of these concepts. Many of these are based on Kabbalah, which I'm still too young to even start learning Kabbalah. So we're not even going down that path of trying to think that we know what we're talking about. And it's funny because at the end of the book, he says, and therefore, my dear Talmud, you've scratched the surface (laughs) of scratching the surface of understanding a small percentage of what you will perhaps one day in your life understand. So even he acknowledges how deep these ideas are. But he ends off, the last part of this book ends off talking about an idea that we're all familiar with. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. And that is Shabbos. Shabbos. Now, why is Shabbos so applicable? And why is it like so within the realm of greatness? And the answer is, is because if you remember what we said in the beginning, we said that a person who wants to be great, greatness is essentially living with a certain hispatlus, a certain nullification of one's, well, I'll call it the nefesh habahami, their animalistic self, towards living a in a life, an uplifted life where you're really living for Hashem. And we said, if you remember, the author of this book was killed, you know, in the Holocaust. And he said, by the time he was killed, he wasn't here in this world. He was like, they're killing me, but I'm already, I'm already gone. Physically, I'm not, I'm not here in this planet. Happens to me, they took my life, but my neshama was just like living in the next world. And that's where I was. And that's where I, I am. That's where I'm, I'm, I'm already existing. So he achieved this, a, a very strong level of, of where we're trying to strive for. And hopefully within our own avayda, our own lives, we're able to attain that. So Shabbos is an opportunity for each one of us to do that. And I want to share with you small concepts through the eyes of Chavis HaTamidim when it comes specifically to Shabbos and highlighting a lot of the ideas that we've already spoken about in this book. So when it comes to Shabbos, he talks about how Shabbos, we know, is broken up into two segments, okay? One is Zahar and one is Shamar. And we know that this was the difference between the first of the Aserah Sadibris and the last of the, the second Aserah Sadibris, that in the first one, it's Zahar, which basically means remember Shabbos. And in the last one, it is Shamar. So what does Zahar mean? So everybody knows, I'm sure, the Gemara says that what is Zahira of Shabbos? What does it mean to remember Shabbos? Anybody know? Anybody Jewish? What does it mean to remember Shabbos? What is the chiv of remembering Shabbos? Very good. To make Kiddush al Hayayin. Very good, right? To make Kiddush. And the Chachamim said that means al Hayayin, which is why when some people make Kiddush, they say, Zachar, Siyam HaShabbos, Zakacha. They say the words, literally, that you're supposed to remember Shabbos. So Zachar is Kiddush. And Shamar means Shamar. Don't break Shabbos. Don't violate Shabbos, right? And that's the basics. Everybody knows that from when you're a child. We know that in the first Dibris, it says Zachar, and the second Dibris, it says Shamar. Everybody knows that. But he, he takes this a little bit of a step further. And he says that we're going to break these two concepts into two separate ideas. When we talk about Zachar, you mentioned Kiddush. It's not just about Kiddush. I'm going to call this the proactive side of acknowledging the element of Shabbos. Whereas Shamar is being a Shomer, like being having an awareness about not slipping down and doing something wrong. I'll explain to you what I mean. Every single relationship has its do's and its don'ts, right? So the do's are the things that you're supposed to do. And then the don'ts are the awareness, don't do this. 
You don't do something, you don't do something. But what does it mean to not do something? It means that you have the awareness not to do something. If I would tell you that I want you to watch this mug, it's a very expensive mug, please watch it. What does it mean to watch it? It means that your awareness, you're a shomer, you're a watchman to make sure that this item doesn't get broken. You don't have to do anything. You have to make sure nothing actually happens. Within every relationship, we have the do's, we have the zakhar, the things that we're supposed to be doing, and we're supposed to also at the same time be, be having the shamar. The shamar means that we have a certain awareness not to slip down certain slippery slopes. So if Shabbos represents an opportunity, as the Medrash says, for two people, it's almost like the Medrash talks about metaphorically, it's like a date where you have a husband, you have a wife, and they're on a date, and all of a sudden some guy shows up in the middle and he's like, you know, acting a little crazy. He says, excuse me, sir, time for you to leave, right? This is like a moment between a husband and a wife. This is a date. This is not a time for somebody to be here acting crazy. So Gemara says, the Medrash says, that on the one hand, you have Hashem. And he turns to Knesset Yisrael. Kala Keruyala. He calls us his Kala, which I'll explain a little deeper in a minute. And he says, hey, my Kala, I'd like to take you on a date. Therefore, a guy Sheshavas, a non-Jew that comes into this relationship and says, hey, I'm here, is Chayev Misa. You cannot do that. There's an opportunity only for Jews, which I'm going to explain this all in a much deeper way in a second, to connect to Hashem in this opportune time called Shabbos. And he he basically says that if a person utilizes Shabbos, if you maximize your Shabbos, if you take the time to understand what Shabbos is, then you can tap into a feeling that you can carry for you for the next week. And then you can tap into that feeling and carry it for the next week. You can continuously tap in and feel and sense a certain amount of growth and development within your relationship with Hashem. And if you do it the right way, you will utilize Shabbos within your attainment of greatness, which is really within your attainment of bittal, of your animalistic self while you're growing within the other side of you. Now, what I just said over the last like 90 seconds was very deep. And I'm going to break this down a little slower as I explain this a little bit deeper. Okay. We've spoken in the past how a person exists or not a person, the world exists within fragments of light from above. If you remember, we spoke about this. We said that Hashem, we said, what is tefillah? Let's rewind our clock a little bit. What is tefillah? Tefillah is the idea that Hashem is we're going to visualize it like a light. Ritzayne lehetev. Hashem wants to do good. That's what he wants. It manifests itself in the world. The world, this mug, this table, me, you, every grain of sand, every grain of rice, everything in the world and the planets is a manifestation of the Ratz and Hashem, the goodness of Hashem. And we said that tefillah are those moments that we stand in front of Hashem and we say, hey, I'm going to reflect that light. I'm going to live by that light. Hashem, you are a kol yachal. Hashem, you are forgiving. Hashem, you are benevolent. I too will be just like you. Mahu afata. You're like that. I too will live that life like you. And when you do that for those moments, those shmona esrays, those asher yatsars, those moments of opening your mouth, of expressing something, you become a portal, a portal for that light to come into your life. That is the concept of tefillah. So where does Shabbos fit into this? So I want to explain this idea a little bit deeper, okay? And I was thinking about this idea and it, like something struck me and like really like just blew my mind. If everything in this world is a fragment of light of Hashem, 
So what does that mean? It means that this pen is a fragment of light of Hashem. Okay? It means that a plant, we have a plant in the corner. It's a fake one, but let's assume it was real for a minute. Okay? That plant is a fragment of light of Hashem. An animal. Let's say I had a dog, which I don't, right? I don't have a real plant. I don't have a real dog. But let's assume I had a dog. That dog would be a fragment of light of Hashem. And that means that me, I am a fragment of light of Hashem. So what is the difference between the fragment of light of Hashem of a pen and a plant and a dog and a person? What's the difference if they're all light? What's the difference between the light? Is my question making sense? If they're all light, then what is the difference between all these fragments of light? And the answer is that each one of these fragments of light, we're going to have what we're going to call the lower fragments, the intermediate fragments, and the higher fragments. Each one of these lights has a different component to it. The lowest level of light is going to be the thing that has no life, which is the daimim. If you take a rock, this is what struck me today. If you take a rock, imagine you're, 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 like, let's transport ourselves. Like, you're in a Shama, right? And you're standing up in Shemayim, and you see this light shoot out from above. And this light manifests itself in this world. It's the Ratzon Hashem to be a rock. It's a rock, and the rock is this big, size of a baseball. And where is this rock? It's in the middle of Arizona, middle of the desert, okay? That is the Ratzon Hashem, that this rock is there. How old is that rock today? Well, around since my Sebaratius, right? Because rocks don't procreate. So you can't have, you don't have rock babies. You just have rocks, right? You have a rock star baby, but like you can't have a rock baby, right? A rock is a rock. It means a rock in your garden is literally thousands of years old. Granite countertop is literally thousands of years old. Okay, sometimes things move around under the earth and therefore it creates that level of, you know, rock, carbon, whatever. But we could all agree that like literally every rock in your front lawn is thousands of years old. We don't think about it like that, but it is. It's the oldest possible thing. It's a diamond. It doesn't die. Maybe it broke. Maybe it was cracked off a bigger rock. But the lowest level light has the longest life shelf. Literally here forever. Can't die. Let's become that rock for a moment. Okay? Let's just like put ourselves into that rock, into that light for just a moment. How stressful is your life as a rock? Not very stressful, right? You have no natural predators. You can't die. Nothing bad can really happen to you, right? Worst comes worst, they break you in two, and now you're just two. It's like really like a pretty good life, if you think about it. And the stress level from one to ten, it's almost a zero, okay? Now, let's become a plant for a minute, okay? Like some of the oldest trees in the world are thousands of years old. If you go to like the Sequoia, you know, National Forest, like in uh, in California, but let's say even like an oak tree or some other trees. These trees can oftentimes last for hundreds of years, four, five, six hundred years, right? These trees. And if you were a tree, I would say to you, what is your what is your tafkid? Why did Hashem create you? Ah, maybe to give off fruit, maybe to you know through um, photosynthesis, right, within a plant, right, the exchange of oxygen. I'm creating oxygen for the planet. Okay, right? Maybe giving shade. That, that's your that's your tough kid, right? Natural predators. Maybe you have uh, loggers and people that want to chop you down and kill you, maybe, right? There's a possibility that that exists, right? But if everything goes well and you get your sunlight and you get your soil and your ear, you'll probably be okay for a few hundred years, right? You'll probably be good. So your natural predators are very, very low. Your stress is probably pretty low, right? Your tough kid, fulfilling your tough kid is Pretty easy. You don't have to do much. You just have to grow. As long as you grow and you stay connected to the ground, 
you're good. Okay. So those fractions of light are very, are very low. They're very, they're very, what he calls like on a lower level. And then you get to the chai. The chai is now an animal. An animal has emotions. An animal has natural predators. Animal has a shorter lifespan. And whatever each animal was put into this planet to do, I have absolutely no idea. Okay. I don't know why somebody's cat dies and why a dog, I, I don't know. But every single thing that's created has its task. It has its purpose, whatever that purpose is. An animal's life, you start lowering the lifespan and you start increasing the stresses. In order for an animal to get to the end of its life, it has to go through a series of challenges. And then you bring along the last level, which is the medaber, the human. A human, which is the highest level of light, the medaber, the medaber is charged with something. What is that charge? That charge is to be a reflection or a refraction. I'm not sure if the word refraction is the right word, but I'm going to use it anyways. A refraction of light. Is it the right word? I think it's the right word. You're like refracting the light? Nobody? Okay. Yeah? I'm going to use it. You bend, like bending the light. Yeah. Okay. There we go. So, right? A reflection and a refraction of the light. That's your job. That means that throughout all of our challenges, if we do nothing, we're just like laying in bed, we're living our life as a daimim, that's not your, that's not your job. You're living your life, you're just growing, like you're just, you know, like, like a, one of those, um, where you watch a tree grow like really fast, you know, like, um, what's it called? Yeah, like a time lapse of a tree just like going like that. That's not your tafkid. Your tafkid is not to just be a baby and get old and pass. That's not your tafkid, right? Okay, it's fine. So I'll go hunting and I'll just eat, um, sushi and that. Sorry, no, animals took that one. They already took that tafkid, right? Our tafkid is a much higher tafkid. Our tafkid is to be a reflection of light. And if for certain moments in your life, you reflect that light to the world, then all of a sudden your life is life. Your tafkid is tafkid. You have meaning within your world. But if you don't, and you're just living your life on a lower level of light, that that's not why you're here. You're put here for a purpose, and the purpose is to have something go through you, which we've spoken about about in the past, which it goes through your mind, it goes through your emotion, and it comes out of your mouth, which is an expression of what you're feeling and thinking and sensing. That's why you're called a medaber. And the more you do that, the more that light becomes like apparent. I was searching, I found like incredible story. In the Bronx Zoo, they had this gorilla. True story. This gorilla, they had taught it sign language over like many decades. And this, this gorilla was able to sign almost anything, having literal conversations with it. They gave this gorilla a small puppy, a small kitten, which became like its friend. And they were to like talk to it, like uh, hungry, you know, whatever. It, they were literally having conversations with it. And it had its little kitten friend that was like its sidekick. So you had this gorilla and this kitten in this pen. And for decades, like they were friends, they were getting along, scientists were studying it, talking to it, signing it, it was signing back. One day, this kitten got out of the enclosure, this cat got out of the enclosure, it ran, and it was run over, I believe, by a car, and it was killed. And they came, and they like saw the gorilla, and they were communicating with the gorilla, and the gorilla signed to the people. It signed, it said, cat, baby, gone, cry, and sad. That's what the gorilla signed to the people. 
And they were like, mm, like, no, like its friend was killed. Okay. And for like the next few days, it was like morning. It refused to eat. It was like walking around, like very down. And scientists were like baffled by the emotion that a gorilla experiences. Now, when I tell you that story, why is that so profound? Imagine I said to you that was a person. Their cat was run over by a car, right? And it's gone. And the person was sad. You would be like, that is so natural. It makes sense, right? The reason that story is so profound is because it's the third fraction of light. It's that lower level animal, the chai. But it expresses itself through that higher lens. It has a midah of a human being. It has a midah of a person. And when you see an animal that has either intellect or emotion, like similar to a human being, or a parrot that talks, right? Or a dolphin that's able to like find something and then come back and report on it. It blows our mind because for a moment we're experiencing the highest level of light. And that highest level of light is like exciting. It's like mind blowing. It's like, whoa. Now what, what that animal did was within its level of light, not as great as we can reflect the light of Hashem. The, the level of light that we can reflect to to Hashem is not by buying a nice meat board and saying the Kavit Shabbos Kodesh. It's by understanding the concepts of higher light, which experience itself through us, through the ideas of Chiddush, through the ideas of struggle. These ideas of, of, of Chachma, of expressing itself, of an idea that you go, wow, that's unbelievable. When these things happen, what goes through our mind? Whoa, that's much more impressive when you experience those moments, then a gorilla that's sad that its little kitten got ran over by a car. Because you see the light for like those brief moments, you tap into it. And therefore, he says, he doesn't talk about the gorilla. That was my own chiddush, yeah? He, he does say that every single person has the opportunity throughout their week, because we're always distracted, you have your moments of tefillah, maybe you go to a shir, but you're given a matana taifa yeshli bebeis genazai. I have one thing for you. That is a matana. And this matana is the greatest matana. What's this matana, says Hashem? It is called Shabbos. Shabbos Shemai. And on this day, it's a day that's free of distraction. But more than free of distractions, says Hashem, the flashlight is on just a little bit stronger. And if you take the time to connect, if you take the time to be Knesset Yisrael Kala Karuya, what does it mean to be a Kala? When a girl gets married, she takes on her husband's name. She's a reflection of who he is. I'm married to you, therefore we're now one unit, and therefore now I'm a Jacobowitz, I'm not a Weiss. I'm now a new name. When you take on that name, when you adopt the principles of the new home, all of a sudden like, whoa, there's something happening here, which is why he says every Friday night, the first song that we sing after we tell the Malachim that it's time for them to leave the house, because we're on a date with Hashem, we're sitting down as Mrs. Hashem, we sit down and what do we say? And we're saying to Hashem, I, Knesset Yisrael, little me, is married to you. And you should know that I'm dedicating myself the same way a wife dedicates herself to her husband. I will cook for you, I will clean for you, I will sing with you, I will dance with you, I'm on, I'm on a honeymoon with you for this one day. And everything that goes into the next 25 hours will be me feeling, developing certain feelings towards you. And I'm committing myself to that right now at the onset of this date. That's a pretty good date. If you start off that way. 
And when you start to understand that what Shabbos is, is not about sleeping and drinking and eating and just simply saying the words Kavit Shabbos. It's about developing a feeling and that feeling starts to manifest itself through you. You feel a certain closeness, which I'll explain to you how to do in a minute. And you make sure that you're not slipping into either a coma or sleep or getting distracted by the lower level stuff, which is where we just eat and fall asleep on a couch. Of course, we could sleep. And, and of course, all that is, of course, it's important. But the idea, the ability for a person to tap in multiple times over this one day, it's able to carry a person where they tap in and they're able to tap in multiple times throughout their upcoming week because of what they've put into themselves. Before I tell you how to do it, I want to just tell you a quick story. It's a fairly famous story, but it, it's worth repeating. Back in the early 1900s, we're all familiar. Many people struggled with Shabbos. It was a big struggle because there was no laws which prevented you know businesses from being open. And many people, they didn't have any money. They succumbed to this pressure of working on Shabbos. There was a story of a man who came over. I believe he came from Russia. He came to New York. And his brother, who had come to America earlier, went into the garment business in L.A. And his brother sent him a message and said to him, My dear brother, I know that you are in New York. I know that you don't have any money. I'd like you to come work for me in L.A. in my garment business. And he wrote back to him. He said, I'm very sorry. I'd like to come work for you. You're my dear brother. But from what I heard back from when I was in Russia, you're not... Shema Shabbos anymore. Your factory is open on Shabbos. I'm very sorry. I just, I can't do it. I can't bring myself to come work for somebody who's a Mechal Shabbos. So he wrote back to him. He said, listen, you're going to starve. I know that this is a big Nisayan. You may end up working for somebody else on Shabbos. I will offer you the opportunity to come work for me. And I promise you, I will not make you work on Shabbos. You work for six days and you could take off on the seventh day. So he said, if that's the deal and we have an understanding, I'll come. He went to LA started working in this factory, came like a big mumcha, really knew what he was doing, and everything was going along very, very nice. One day, the owner of the factory, the brother, came over to him and said, you should know, you're working here, going wonderful, but I'm getting a lot of pushback from people, the fact that because of nepotism, you're my brother, you're leaving on Friday. All of a sudden, half the factory wants to leave, even the non-Jews. They say, why are we working seven days and this guy works only six days? So, I'm asking you, I, I know you keep Shabbos. I'm not asking you to break anything, but you are near the factory where you live. Can you come in on Shabbos? We'll have a Gemara here in the office. You'll come in. You'll tell everybody, hi, I'm here. You'll walk around for two minutes and then you'll sit down and you'll learn the whole Shabbos. You'll learn in the office. It's not a big deal. It's not like Chil Shabbos or anything. I thought about it. He said, okay, I hear you. I don't want to ruin the business. I am an integral part of it. It's going to really throw you for a loop. You took me in. You were so nice to me. And he, he did it. So for the next like few weeks or the few months, he came in, he smiled, he walked around and he would sit down and the whole Shabbos afternoon he was learning in the office and people saw him. He would come in, he'd go out, but by and large, he's sitting there and he's learning the whole Shabbos. One day, one of the workers comes in and he says, boss, we have a big problem. What's the problem? We're doing a job. He starts giving him like a whole story. We ran out of some fabric. I'm not sure which one to use. How do we fix it? The, the main boss was like, I'm not sure. I don't know all the details. I, I can't help you. This guy was standing there. So he said, oh, oh, this is, you were working on this project all week. Like, come here. Like, just show me. So he went out and the guy started like showing him this one, this one. He's like, no, no, not that one. 
And he ended up picking up some fabric and moving this one and moving that one. Okay. He told the guy what to do, goes back into the office. It then dawned on him that moving fabric on Shabbos is muksa. Stuff which is over like you're going to sell it, is muksa machmas chasar and kiss. It was like he was just over in Isser Durabanan on Shabbos. He was like, yeah, but, but, I'm here. Lamaisa, the whole company can't go down because of this one thing. Maybe Chazal would have, you know, been makel in such a case, you know. He was like, my reheter. Goes back to his Gemara and keeps learning. A few weeks later, this guy comes in with like a massive issue. And he starts telling him, yeah, the machine broke. The only one who knows how to fix it is this guy here, sitting by his Gemara. So he stands up and he walks over and he starts, you know, helping him. And before he knows it, He's becoming a worker. He may be wearing his big day Shabbos. He may have his Gemara in the office. But he went from being somebody who there's no way in the world to somebody who within a few months was actually working on Shabbos. Now, at what point did this guy mess up? At what point? The answer is, is that when it comes to Shabbos, the mess up was in the relationship. The mess up was in failing to understand that when you're sitting in a factory... It's not Shabbos. The fact of the matter that you didn't do something wrong does not make something right. In every single relationship, not doing something wrong does not make a relationship good. It makes a relationship zero. Shabbos is about putting into into Shabbos. It's not about escaping from Shabbos. Every relationship is not about not hurting the other person. It's about doing things which further the relationship with that person. This guy was Shemer Shabbos. He watched Shabbos until the point that he was not Shemer Shabbos. And I would argue that he was not Shemer Shabbos, not when he violated Muksa and not when he violated Typher. That was not when he was not a Shemer Shabbos. He was not Shemer Shabbos when he didn't watch that the relationship that a person is supposed to have throughout Shabbos wasn't there. That was when he slipped and he didn't realize that he was letting himself just completely slide. So what does it mean to keep Shabbos? What does it mean, Zachar Esyema Shabbos Lakachai? It means to experience a certain feeling throughout the day. And I want to give you five things, which I think are incredible opportunities for every single person to tap into throughout the day of Shabbos. If you tap into one, two, three, four, five throughout the day, you don't have to do it the whole day. But within 25 hours, try to tap into these five things. I believe a person can start to feel a certain feeling. Five things that I want to throw out there is number one is Chachma. Chachma is a reflection of the highest level of light. We're created, we are Chachamim, we are smart people. Chachma, whether it's a Vart, a Vartaira, something that gets your mind and you go, wow, this was amazing. That's number one. Number two is Chiddush, something which is new to you. Have either prepare or go somewhere. If you're married, like for your family, the concept of chiddush of something new, an excitement by your by your table, it, it's electrifying. I started in my house a few years ago where we ask a shayla based on Reb Zilberstein's svarim um, a question, and then we go around the table and everybody argues it out. There are times we could sit here for hours of the kids arguing and handling a sugi, and then we kind of oh the halacha is this. I was like, wow, it's exciting. There's an excitement. You've learned something. There's chiddush. You're a reflection of light. There's something there. It's real. The third thing I'm going to throw out there is tefillah. The fourth thing I'm going to throw out there is shira, is song, is emotion, is throwing yourself into something. 
And the last thing I'm going to throw out there is relationships. Make sure that your relationships get stronger over Shabbos. If a person throws themselves into those five things, you can start to feel, you can start to sense what it means to have a reflection of this light. I remember years ago, and I'll end with this, I went with my family to Eretz Yisrael, and we booked ourselves a Zimmer in Tzvas. Simmer and Tzvas. It's a tongue twister, but we just nailed it. So we were in a simmer in Tzvas, and we get to this simmer, and the guy who was showing us where the simmer was, he met us. It was late at night. We showed up there. We were like totally exhausted. And this guy opens the door. And as he opens the door to this simmer, this like little room slash apartment type of thing, like 50 cockroaches came running towards us. We all panicked. I was the first one panicking, running. Okay, I don't do well with cockroaches. And, and everyone was like shrieking. And the guy's like, hey, my, my, no, no problem. Yeah, it's fine. And we're like, we are not sleeping here tonight. We're finding a different summer. So he was like, no, no problem. I have another one. See, he gave us another one. This one only had two cockroaches. So it was like a very big upgrade from the first one. So we were like, only two. We could handle only two. He killed them. He was like, no, no problem. It's fine. Anyways, suffice it to say that we did not sleep a wink that night. The next morning, it was very early. I'm not usually a very early riser. It was very early. And I was like staring up at the ceiling for like eight hours thinking about cockroaches. It was very early in the morning. And I was like, you know what? I think the best thing is for me to go daven Vasikin. Like, I think it's early enough to daven. I'm going. So I went out. My talus and villain. My son, as I'm getting up, he turns to me and he's like, where are you going? I was like, going to daven. He's like... I can't sleep. <laughs> so he, he came with me and we went out and we dive in Vasikin and in Tzvas by this particular area, it's like overlooking like a valley. And then there's the mountains and we were davening where the sun literally comes up over the mountains. And I remember I had time. It was like after our lice and I was like slowly davening and I gave my son a sitter. He was young. And we were just sitting there davening and like literally like bouncing, like slowly bouncing. And at the end of davening, davening took like the longest chakras I ever davened. It was like over an hour. It was like we had time and it was everything. As the sun comes up, it was like just, just gorgeous. Not the sun and not anything. Just the, the, the davening, the feeling was like, it was tangible. And like we had like a little dance, like my talus and Tillin and my son like dancing on like a little area overlooking this beautiful valley. It was it was literally breathtaking. We came back to the apartment and my wife was like up. <laughs> She's like, okay, I think I'm ready to leave this, you know, apartment over here. And I said to her, I said, that's it. I'm moving to Tzfas. And my son's like, I'm joining daddy. We're, we're, that's it. We're moving here. If you want to find us, you'll know exactly where to find us. And until today... I don't know how many years later it is, but many years later, that feeling of that Shemina Esrei, of that whole tefillah, it stays with me. I'll never forget that that chakras. It was just such a beautiful davening. It was just so real. It was like, it was like, it was crisp ear. It was so perfect. Everything was perfect. The words, the songs, it was just, it was the most perfect tefillah. It was like my greatest chakras I ever davened. And my son said the same thing. Little kid, he was like, he's like, wow. This was on a different level. Every Shabbos, there's an opportunity, a light that flows into the world. And we know that Hashem sort of puts either Zman, time, or Makim, place, where these lights flow in. The Beis HaMikdash, the Kaisel, Makim HaKadayshim, Kvarim. These are places that a person can go and can access certain lights and certain feelings. 
while at the same time, on the other side, we have certain times. And Shabbos is that opportunity to feel those feelings, to understand what it means to not just get excited about the food. Yeah, the food is good. Not excited about the sleep. Yeah, the sleep is good. It's excitement about the feeling that one develops having a real, real relationship with their creator and to take that feeling and recenter themselves to understand that the feeling that I have now is real. This feeling is my tafkir. It's not those other moments when I'm feeling that lower level light, that light of just a small emotion, that light of a gorilla that could feel that its kitten friend was run over by a car. That feeling is amazing. But it's a, it's a level three that like flames up a little bit. We live in level four. We have the ability to feel this kedusha. We're not. You don't have to become a malach. You don't have to become a, a makobol. You don't have to float off the ground to feel the feeling. The feeling is tangible. It's there and it's accessible to every single person. If you prepare a little bit and you make sure that you feel the chiddush and you have the Chachma, and you have the family, and you have the Tefillah, and you have the Shira. If you put these five elements into Shabbos, and you tap into each one of them for a few minutes throughout the day, throughout the night, you're able to tap into a feeling to feel what it means to be great. And like we said many times over, greatness doesn't mean that you're moving mountains. Greatness doesn't mean that anybody knows your name. Just because you know somebody's name does not mean that they're great. It means that maybe they did something that made them famous, does not make them necessarily great. Within your life, fulfilling your tafkid, becoming the greatest version of you, starts with recognizing that you have a, a, a purpose in this world that you need to fulfill. And if you feel that throughout Shabbos, you will probably spend the rest of your week trying to find that, that purpose. But if Shabbos is just a day off, it's just a vacation day, it's just a day where you just unplug yourself, then it's an opportunity that gets missed. And we have this opportunity literally thousands of times throughout our lives. And if we're able to tap into it even once or twice throughout the Shabbos, it can, it can transform your entire week. And through that, it can transform your entire life. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.